And that's what climate change is about. It is literally, not figuratively, a clear and present danger. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. The ability of CO2 to do the heavy work of creating a climate catastrophe is almost nil at this point. The price of oil has been artificially elevated to the point of insanity. That's not how you power a modern industrial system. The ultimate goal of this renewable energy you know, plan is to reach the exact same point that we're at now. You know who's tried that? Germany. Seven straight days of no wind for Germany. Uh, their factories are shutting down. They really do act like weather didn't happen prior to like 1910. Today is Friday. That's right, Greta. It is Friday, and this is our own personal Friday protest. Climate Change Roundtable, episode 97, a disgrace to the profession. I'm your host, Anthony Watts, Senior Fellow for Environment and Climate at the Heartland Institute. Joining me today, we have our regular panelist, Dr. H. Sterling Burnett, Director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center, Linnea Lucan, our Research Fellow at the Arthur Robinson Center, and also, a little later, Vice President of Communications at the Heartland Institute, Jim Lakely, who will be joining us to provide some color commentary. So welcome, guys, and happy Friday. And some very colorful commentary, I'm sure he has. <laughs> yeah, happy Indeed. Friday. Yeah. So I'm going to give my first take on the trial result, and then I've got some other commentary, and then we can kick off the discussion yeah, as I heard the verdict yesterday, like many of you, my heart just sank. I wondered if truth and sanity are ever going to prevail in the climate debate. The execrable Michael Mann squeaked by again. But there is some hope, courtesy of this report from TNC News, and I'm going to read an excerpt. In a statement, a spokesperson for Stein said, the $1 damages award approves the jury found Dr. Mann did not suffer any losses, as he claimed. We will always, or we always said that man never suffered any actual injury from the statement at issue. And today, after 12 years, the jury awarded him $1 in compensatory damages, said Stein's manager, Melissa Howes. The punitive damage award of $1 million will have to face due process scrutiny under the U.S. Supreme Court precedent. And here's why. The U.S. Supreme Court has in the past indicated that punitive damages awards that are 10 times greater than compensatory damage award are generally unconstitutional. So that's the loophole. So next, I'm going to prime the discussion by reading something that Jim Lakely wrote earlier today, and we'll use that as the basis to start off the discussion. It is obvious that the jury ignored all the evidence and the application of civil defamation law. Let's be clear, Michael Mann, who had the burden to prove his case, presented no evidence that he has, or he was, financially, professionally, or reputationally harmed by those two blog posts. He didn't produce weak evidence or only a little bit of suggested, a little bit of suggestive evidence. He produced zero evidence, none. In fact, as the defense def uh, presented their case, Man's income, professional standing, he's now an Ivy League professor, and personal appearances with celebrity climate people like Leo DiCaprio only increased since the publication of those blog posts that were in question. 
This was a civil equivalent of jury nullification. No matter what, this D.C. jury was going to rule against anyone who attacked climate science, which judge, which the judge specifically told this jury was not on trial. One reason defamation cases are infrequently brought into court, especially when the plaintiff is a celebrity or a public figure like Michael Mann, is because they are very hard to prove under the law as written and traditionally tried. As Mark Stein pointed out in court, defamation law is more lax in the UK because they don't have our First Amendment. But we now live in an America where your First Amendment rights are forfeit if you are on the right and the person you are criticizing is on the left. Guys, your thoughts? Well, I think that the, to me, the thing that's most troubling other than the loss of, of um, the case here, Andy, what is going on with our <laughs> panels here? We're having all sorts of fun. Um, Sorry, good, gone crazy. Action here. My bad. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the venue shopping that was done for this particular trial and what seems to happen a lot for um, trials, considering the, the, um, you know, the, the kind of progressive element in the United States uh, they do this all the time. Washington, D.C. is a really good spot for them to pick. It has it's probably Washington, D.C. is probably the bluest city in the entire country. Um, it has the highest concentration of people that are going to be um, not just aligned with the political left, which tend to be aligned with the uh, climate catastrophe narrative, but also people who are more willing to ignore their brain and go with whatever the expert is supposed to be. Um, and more often than not, the expert ha also has to be someone who is aligned with government, which almost everyone who lives in the D.C. area works for government. So it's, um, oh boy, it's it's a tragedy that they let them do this uh, jury trial in D.C. in the first place instead of um, in either of the home you know, territories of any of the people involved. So, um, yeah, I hate that. It's kind of what you'd expect out of the deep blue state Look, that exists in D.C., right? I, I've expressed this on the two previous, the three previous. The judge has some responsibility here. Now, as far as I know, there are still some motions pending. He could dismiss notwithstanding the verdict of the jury. He could diminish, diminish the uh, punitive damages in line with what the Supreme Court has said. We don't know if he'll do that. He hasn't done it yet. But his responsibility was to shut the door to this case in the first place. The First Amendment, not absolute, but it allows mocking. Uh, evidently, D.C. juries don't understand what an analogy is. Uh, they think if you compare somebody to somebody else, you're saying they are something else. That's not what an analogy is. Um, but I, I, I guess one of the fatal errors I saw in this trial, and I, I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it. I love Mark Stein. Brilliant command of the English language. Love hearing him speak. All my friends raved about his presentation, raved about his closing argument. I cringed. Uh, another person I used to love, uh, now passed on, is uh, William F. Buckley. He used to have a show called Firing Line. God, I love to watch that show. But uh, 
it wasn't for the average person. And many people that I knew thought it was snooty that they, that the people on that show were talking down to them. And I think the people on the jury thought my, uh, Stein was talking down to them. That they didn't have to like Michael Mann to think we don't like this Englishman coming in here. Doesn't know he should have a lawyer. Thinks he's so bright he doesn't even need a lawyer. And then he's going to tell us what's proven and what's not proven uh, when that's our decision to make. Because his closing argument was all not proven, not proven. No, that's for the jury to decide. And um, so I, I, I like this presentation, but I thought it was the wrong forum for it because uh, it goes over good at a climate conference, but I'm not sure it goes over good in front of a, a jury of average people who resent yeah. people who think they're smarter than them. You know, there's a saying in or the United States, there's, a, there's a, a rule in the United States that says you're to be tried by a jury of your peers. <laughs> and this jury was not peers of either Michael Mann nor of Mark Stein. They were not up to the intellectual level that either of these folks operate at. And so my impression is, is that a lot of this evidence, factual or not, just completely went over their heads. And they were looking more at the personalities involved as opposed to the actual facts. And from my perception, they saw um, a somewhat subdued Michael Mann and a more flamboyant Mark Stein like you pointed out, and they were looking at it as like, well, this flamboyant guy is obviously, you know, uh, going after this, you know, famed climate scientist. And so they tried to send a message to that regard. You know, um, they didn't get in. The truth is they didn't get in some of their expert witnesses. The judge had this weird, I've set a deadline. I've never heard of, I've, I've determined the trial is going to end by this date. I've never heard of that. Normally it goes as long as you have witnesses you want to present, so long as the witnesses are reasonable. Uh, they, they had witnesses. They wanted uh, Richard Lindzen to testify. Um, how the jury, you know, look, Michael Mann proves himself daily on Twitter. He says, he said under oath, how they can believe a serial liar under oath. He said he doesn't think he tweets much. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of tweets. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 something like, I think they averaged it, I don't know, 80 to 100 a day is what it averages out to. It's amazing. And yet he could say that in a row. He, he repeatedly has claimed to be, uh, you know, a Nobel Prize winner. And then he had to, back, oh, well, that was an accident. Uh, that was a mistake on my part. You don't know whether the Nobel Prize handed you a, 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 an award. Um, he, he claims that uh, grants were... $9 million when they were $100,000 that would have come. Uh, big, you know, big things. These aren't, these aren't, uh, these are, these, these aren't minor things. These are lies. These are things said under oath that you've been refuted with. So they don't have to like Michael Mann. But um, you just, you can't, as an attorney, be mocking. You know, you're the defendant. You don't mock people. And I, I just got the feeling when I listened to a lot of it, it's like they're mocking him and uh, people don't like that. It's, it's supposed to be a professional court of trial. Now we know we can all talk about whether the jury's um, up to the task. Um, but um, 
in the end, you, you have to present things as as a, a, a professional. And I just thought that uh, my friends, like I said, everyone loves it, but it was a great show. But I'm not sure it was a great show for the audience that was in the jury box. Well, I, I think that's a, a fair point. Um, I think it's, I mean, it was just stacked up against them from the beginning in that way, you know, not just because of what he chose to do in his delivery of his uh, arguments, but also, um, you know, the venue and the, um, the media coverage that was timed rather suspiciously before the final day of the trial. I don't know, Anthony, if you have some of that pulled up. Um, but the concluding remarks by man's lawyer was almost word for word, something that the Washington post had published the day prior. So very, uh, just gross, gross situation all around. Oh, I'm sure there was no coordination whatsoever. No. Oh, no, of course not. Not uh, with the Washington post. Not with the Washington post. Yeah. The, <laughs> uh, are there, is their motto, all the truth is fit, all the news. Is no, 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 that was no, 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 democracy dies in darkness. <laughs> oh God. Talk about the dark <laughs> newsroom. Um, it's very disturbing. And, and for the jury to not just come back. I mean, in the end, the jury saw through it to some extent. They said, man, wasn't damaged much. We're going to give him a buck. That was for both Stein and I think uh, Simberg. We haven't even talked about Simberg. Simberg uh, was fined, uh, you know, was found to have damaged his reputation by the amount of a whole dollar. I believe Stein was as well. Uh, but then they, they, they said Simberg's punitive damages are a thousand times that. So a thousand dollars and Stein's are a million times that. Um, so not only are those, you know, punitive damages outrageous, they are clearly sending a message from this jury that don't pick on climate scientists. We respect them. Don't be mean to them. Uh, we don't like mean people, even if they're not really mean, just honest. Well, and um, I, but, I don't know if many of the people from, sorry to interrupt you, Sterling, but I don't know if many of the people even in our own audience had read exactly the post that Stein is being dragged in front of the court for, because it's far from, I mean, just from an initial reading, it's so far from defamatory in my eyes that I, I can't even begin to fathom how the court, how it even came before a jury at all, or even made it past the judge in the first place. I mean, the, the post itself is so mild. <laughs> it's, I mean, I feel like Sterling, we might've written stuff that was spicier than that in, in the past about other topics, but. Well, yeah, no, you're right. You're hundred percent correct. But I think all the jury heard, you know, this is what I really think all the jury heard yeah, man says that this woman slept her way to the top. Awful. But that's not on trial. All the jury heard was they called him a pedophile. They didn't call him a pedophile, but they but that's what the jury heard. They don't distinguish yeah. between comparison, analogy, and basically, uh, you know, look, I, I, I can't count the number of times I have been compared to Nazis. 
Me right? too. Me too. <laughs> I have never jack boot marched down the street with my head with my hand held high. I have never uh, turned on ovens on people or shot people. But I'm a Nazi. Um, you can get away with stuff like that. You're supposed to be able to get away with stuff like that. Um, right. and he's and it, and it would be it, it might even be different if man were a private figure. Uh, you know, remember, it, it, this kid that was uh, at the Kansas City Chief game is now suing the 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 company that that uh, uh, basically uh, called him a racist because of his costume at his Kansas City Chief game. The kid that was in Washington D.C. that was not a public figure successfully sued all the newsrooms and all the news outlets that claimed he was a racist, and because in part because. Neither one of these kids are private fig public figures. Man has made himself a public figure. And Indeed. so he should be open to a little bit more leeway. You can call the president a doddering old man or an insurrectionist. You can call the presidents all sorts of names. You can mock their children, but you can't mock man. Alan Griffith writes in a super chat, is there a fighting fund we can donate to in support of Stein? No, not specifically. However, you can go to his website, steinonline.com, and he does have the ability to join his club and, and buy some gift certificates and things like that that will help him out. Later in the show, we will put up the book that he published uh, on the... Uh, which carries the title, A Disgrace to the Depression, really worth reading because this is a book about Michael Mann that was written by other scientists, essentially. You know, Stein put it all together in this collection. But basically, everybody else on the climate science world commented on Michael or on um, uh, Michael Mann. And it, it's devastating. It really is. Um, and so it's worth looking into that to purchase that. That'll also help Mike. Uh, the next one from Stephen Frazier says, do they plan to appeal? Well, I would think yes. Uh, based on the statement from Melissa Howes, his manager, said that it's going to be advocated most likely in the Supreme Court because apparently the ratio of, you know, the, the compensation award versus the punishment award was so broad, like in a million to one that it becomes unconstitutional based on previous readings from the Supreme Court. So it's likely that if the judge doesn't dismiss it or reduce it, which there are motions in front of the judge now to do that, he hasn't ruled on, that it will probably end up in the Supreme Court. Well, it may. It, so this was a district court, I believe. It wasn't the Court of Appeals. There's still the Court of Appeals in D.C., and I think we'd have to go there first. Um, and... You know, I don't know if the D.C. Court of Appeals will be more sensible than the district court judge was. But like I said, if, if, if you're honest legally, as a matter of law, this case never should have gotten through the courtroom doors. It should have been dismissed and dismissed with prejudice so it couldn't be filed again. In the end, you either think we have a First Amendment in this country or you don't. And evidently, the jurors felt that uh, we didn't, we don't, 
they're comfortable with censorship. Uh, censorship paid for by an outside group because man never had any skin in this game whatsoever. If he lost, he owed nothing. And in courts when he's lost before in Canada, he's paid nothing despite the loss. Um, but like I said, the judge has some responsibility here and he at least must question whether the first amendment applies to people in this country because he allowed the court case to go forward. And that is a little scary to me because as far as I know, every federal judge, when he takes the oath of office, swears to uphold and defend the constitution of the United States. And the first amendment's pretty prominent. Alrighty. So I want to move on to the next topic. Now there was a, a very good uh, post by the Powerline blog called A Bitterly Disappointing Verdict, which I also reposted on WhatsApp with that, along with some of my own commentary. And the Powerline blog talked about some of the, the aspects of the trial, and it's worth reading. But it's true, it is a bitterly disappointing verdict. And, you know, it found the defendant said defamed man, the jury, but, uh, you know, they just went crazy over the, the uh, punishment award, which may or may not hold up as we see. But they agree with what Sterling says. In a sane world, this case would never have gone to the jury. The legal standard is actually malice, which means that the defendants much have thought malice a forefront, you know? But that wasn't proven. Um, this was simply about a perception, like Sterling said, the jury perceived, I believe, he called man a pedophile, even though he didn't. There was a comparison analogy. And given the makeup of the jury, and we don't know exactly what that was, but it seems that it went over their heads. That argument went over their heads. But I want to bring up man's first tweet after the verdict, uh, because this is telling. These are the first two tweets he made. The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. He's quoting Martin Luther King Jury. Uh, Jr. And then he says, they played checkers. We played chess. Wow, that's just ego well, no, pressing he did. on his part. They got, he got the, the, the court, the venue that he wanted, right? He got the right judge. He played chess. This never, I, I, I hesitate to believe that this would have gone to trial in Pennsylvania, um, where, where's, which is probably the appropriate forum. Um, you know, and, and, and as far as the malice, um, there were two things they had to prove, uh, for defamation. I mean, there, part of it was, uh, they made a false claim about him and that I think just completely wasn't proven you know, the hockey stick, uh, is still in debate. So to say that in debating the hockey stick, they weren't being reasonable, uh, which is basically what the jury concluded um is wrong um but the malice look i i listened to you, you, i don't know how closely you listen to it. it there may have been no malice when uh stein and simberg wrote their initial posts um simberg came across as very deadpan um just you know he's sort of a joe joe friday just the facts only the facts man uh but um, it's clear, it was at least it, it seemed clear to me that after 12 years of putting off the trial and legal wrangling and back and forth, Stein bears a little malice towards 
man as would any reasonable person. But that came across. And they're supposed to be looking at whether he had malice at the time, not malice now. But do you really expect people listening to him to distinguish that? Um, I think it hurt his case. And I think somebody said that earlier in, in our uh, chain of uh, comments. I thought it was very insightful. Yeah. So I want to go on to um, the next tweet from Dr. Mann. This came out of a report from Science Magazine. Um, and uh, in a statement, Mann said, I hope this verdict sends a message that falsely attacking climate scientists is not protected speech. And then he goes on to talk about in this tweet um, that Mann is signaling in the next tweet that he's just getting started on lawfare. Uh, basically, he's saying, stay tuned after someone comments, hope you press on against uh, National Review Online and the Competitive Enterprise Institute. His attorney made a statement in that, uh, in that post saying, ask about Competitive Enterprise Institute and National Review. Manned lawyer John Williams said, they're next. Yeah, I they suspect- were dismissed. They were dismissed from the suit three years ago. I know, but I, I, maybe they're going to try again. Oh, I believe they are. This, you know, maybe they believe this trial result sets a precedent that they can use. I don't know. <coughs> but well, he's got evidently he's got a virtually unlimited slush fund to bring lawsuit after lawsuit. Right? There's a whole group. Uh, the climate, I think it's the climate science climate defense science fund. defense fund. Yeah, defense except they're not they're not defending science. <laughs> they're on the offense. Uh, attacking people who who think science should be carried out in a particular way, which is through the scientific method, testing, validity, uh, proofs, as opposed to grand statements, snarky and uh, vile comments, slander of reputations, which is man's PO uh, 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 yeah. method of operating. Uh- Really quick. Uh, So thank you very much to Walter Hoggle. I hope I'm pronouncing that right for your super chat. Helps us out. Thank you so much. And then also uh, Rob O'Max made an interesting comment in the comments up there. He said, the problem for Stein is that his position is what he said in 2012 was the truth, i.e. factually correct, and not his opinion, which would be a different defense. Stein said that the hockey stick was fraudulent and data had been manipulated. His experts agreed that there had been manipulation, but did not testify it had been fraud. Therefore, therefore, this is why malice was upheld. I can yep. understand why that, how that would go over. Yeah, I think that's probably a pretty good analysis there, Robbo. Right. We have a lot of smart commentators out there. Um, all right. Before we go further, I want to talk about Dr. Roger Pioki Jr. Now, he was... Um, he testified at the trial and he offered some personal reflections over on his Substack webpage. And um, I, I want to read some of the things that he wrote in this under false equivalence. So Dr. P- Roger Pilkey Jr. asked, finally, let me offer some personal reflections on my experiences. From the start, my view was that this entire lawsuit was unnecessary and a waste of time. 
people who I still would not recognize on the street said some mean things about Michael Mann on the internet. Well, welcome to public discourse in the 21st century. People say mean, false things about me on the internet every day. It goes with the many privileges of having outsized impact and voice. This case was never about the integrity of science or the political impact of right-wing trolls. It was always about Michael Mann. And as I stood in line with dozens of other people Tuesday going through security, getting into the courthouse, I wondered, how do we get here? How did leading scientists and institutions of climate science become totally consumed with a battle against minor bloggers and political boogeymen? When I entered the courtroom, I had the profound sense of sadness for man. He was alone with his lawyer. No family, no friends, no university officials, no adoring fans, no mainstream media, totally alone. There was just a handful of observers in the room. As I said at the trial, man has not been the best colleague to me, but I am fine even so. Who knows what demons haunt him and why he behaves the way that he does. I do hope that he can find peace at some point. And finally, the larger issues here are not about man, but rather the continued failures within the sci climate science community to uphold fundamental norms of conduct amongst its own ranks. For instance, in the trial, we learned that Penn State's committee looking into man's conduct following ClimateGate wanted to censure him for his behavior. Apparently, that was overturned upon the intervention of the Penn State president, Graham Spanier. There have been so many similar opportunities for leaders to take the off-ramp from this escalated conflict and politicization of climate science. The community instead has chosen to further the conflict. Like I said, it's just sad, and it's not over yet. Now, is Graham Spanier, is that the one that man continues to thank in his book, despite the fact that he's been convicted of covering up for a pedophile? Is that who overturned now, That the was censure? the president of Penn State at the time, right. You know, if I was a juror, I would I'd think, well, that's a little convenient. Uh, you, you, you overturn what your you're supposed to your supposedly independent committee uh, says we should do this. And you uh, who were also going through, you know, tremendous uh, PR problems at the time because of uh, the other case. Um, you intervene and say, no, no, we're not going to do that. So no. much for independence. And, right. you know, it's no wonder he keeps getting thanked in the book, despite the fact he's sitting in prison. Right. So the problem that we've got now is that based on the tweets that we've seen, Dr. Mann thinks he's got carte blanche now to go after people, uh, you know, that say mean things. But, you know, speaking of mean things, Mann had his share of mean things that he said about people, defamatory things, too. I want to start with a clip. From Dr. Judith Curry. Now, this is a uh, this is something that we created. We're not allowed to play the trial, but we can reenact it using uh, the transcript and AI, and that's what we've done here. Jim Lakely put this together for us. So let's run the clip from Dr. Judith Curry uh, as she testified during the trial because this is very powerful. When it broke, I was very concerned by three things. First, I was concerned about, you know, how this hockey stick warfare might explode. I was also concerned about the reputation of climate science and the potential loss of public trust. 
My more immediate concern was about the students. What kind of impression was this making on the students? So I spoke out about my concerns, not naming and shaming, but talking about it. Given this politicized environment, we need to do better. I wrote essays calling for greater transparency. Make your data publicly available. Make your methods transparent. Be honest about uncertainty and be respectful of people who disagree with you. And, you know, these were the points that I was making and there was quite a bit of attention. The New York Times even published one of my essays on this topic. I was trying to calm the waters. I was hoping that, I mean, there was warfare. This whole thing broke the internet. You have no idea. I was trying to calm the waters since I was sort of communicating with both sides. I had the naive view I could help out. It didn't work out like that. Concerning Climate Gate in 2009, did you observe anything about how Michael Mann, whether or not he had any particular role in changing the tenor of the debate? He was pretty quiet at the time. After that? Well, in 2012, he published a book, The Hockey Stick and Climate Wars, which really, in my judgment, sort of flipped the table and portrayed himself as a villain to vicious climate deniers. And it was around that time that Michael Mann, I saw on tweets, he started calling actual scientists climate deniers. Before I had seen people, journalists, politicians, being labeled as climate deniers for the first time, I'm seeing climate scientists being called climate deniers. Wow. Climate scientists being called climate deniers. Let my me correct. I'm my sorry. Favorite but let <laughs> Go ahead, Sterling. I just want to correct something I said. So evidently I'm wrong. Graham Spanier is no longer in prison. So he, he did, he did go to jail, but he's not, he's out now. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, um, my favorite moment over the past 10 or so years happened at a hearing in Washington where Dr. Mann, Dr. Curry, and some other scientists were on a panel. And Dr. Mann makes the statement, verbal statement, I've never called anybody a climate denier on this panel, <laughs> you know? And then Dr. Dr. Curry pipes up and says, it's in your written statement. Mm -hmm. I mean, gosh, what kind of a mind do you have to have to be able to Fool yourself to say things like that. My God. Well, you know, the kind of mind that would confuse the Egyptian president with the Mexican president, probably. Because <laughs> right. Mexico abuts Gaza, as I recall. Yeah. Yesterday so was a heck of a day for <laughs> news <laughs> in general. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we have some other clips that we'd like to run. Andy, why don't you run the next one? When she started to speak to the nastiness she had encountered from man, she said his smears against her had had a devastating effect on her career. And I just thought this was really powerful in the courtroom. I mean, I think you could have heard a pin drop. Wait to hear this. You testified Thursday in congressional testimony. Michael Mann referred to you as a climate denier. 
Has he said that anywhere else that stands out to you in particular? Yes. I don't know if the word climate denier is the one that he used, but I was called a serial climate misinformer. <laughs> this was in a 2013 Huffington Post article, and I remember everything about that because this is the article that destroyed my academic career. Then let's go to the third paragraph on page one. I believe that's where the phrase serial climate disinformer Judith Curry is. Is that what you're referring to, doctor? Yes. Without mentioning anybody else, talking about your personal experience, what impact did this have on your career? I first spotted this article on Georgia Tech's daily news feed. Every day, Georgia Tech would send an email citing, you know, every time that Georgia Tech was mentioned in the media. This one, along with the serial climate disinformer quote, appeared prominently near the top of this email sent to all students, all faculty, all staff, all administrators, all alumni, all donors. For the first time in my life, I felt my heart drop to the floor. At this time, I was under consideration for a position in the higher administration at Georgia Tech. I was one of three finalists. At that point, I knew it was game over. As I spent the day reflecting on what this meant for my career, I Googled my name, Judith Curry. The whole first page of the Google search was Judith Curry, climate denier. Judith Curry, misinformer, and on it went. My homepage at Georgia Tech didn't show up until the second page. My first thought was, wow, this is really bad for Georgia Tech's brand. My second thought, this made me unemployable at any other university. And my third thought was that Michael Mann's effort to brand me as a denier and discredit me was now complete. The smear job was now complete. At this point, I still don't understand why I'm called a climate denier, whatever that means. Wow. Yes, but Michael Mann is the victim here, right? What a great job on the uh, voice acting for uh, Annan Fellum's show. What yes. it's a great, great. She, she really production. does sound like Curry. Yeah, yeah, a lot, and it, it was a very, um, very, very good podcast. So I'm glad we tried to get them on again for this show, but unfortunately they had to uh, be traveling back home. So right. And I had incorrectly mentioned at the beginning that this was done by AI, and that's not correct. These were actual voice actors. We do have an AI clip that we're going to run later. So, but yeah, uh, no, um, a couple of our commenters have said that, you know, Judy has a defamation case, if anyone does. But unfortunately, I think at this point, the, um, the amount of time that's passed, I don't think that she could bring it up. I think it's been too long. Unless man continues to say the kind of stuff that he he says about her, then maybe. But I don't think he can help himself, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, we got another clip. Let's roll it. Are you a white supremacist, Mr. McIntyre? No. The allegation is absurd. What do you think of the comparison by Dr. Mann of you to a white supremacist? It says more about Dr. Mann than it says about me. My daughter is married to a Brazilian man. 
My son is married to a Thai woman, and three of my seven grandchildren are of mixed race. I love them dearly. This is a crazy allegation and a continuation of the kind of abuse he's made for years. What abuse are you discussing? Accusations of scientific fraud, dishonesty. At one point, he called me a professional liar for hire, and now it has descended into accusations of white supremacy. Is that consistent with what you observe from Dr. Mann in the online climate change debate? Absolutely. He single-handedly lowered the tone of the debate. Oof. Wow. That was Steve McIntyre, um, you know, who has taken probably more slings and arrows from man and his cohorts than anyone. And yet, Steve McIntyre has always been professional in what he has done, in what he has said, in what he has written. And uh, I have the greatest respect for him. All right, one last clip we have to play. Suppose he really does believe that everyone thinks he's a pedophile. So I asked him when he was in the witness box. In more than 11 years of this litigation, you have not identified a single witness who would come and testify in this court and say that they read Rand's blog post and then came to believe that you engaged in child molestation. Isn't that right? And Dr. Mann answered, I'm not sure that's quite right. I think we're going to have testimony from somebody who will speak directly to that matter. Follow up question. Are you engaged in molestation? Is that going to be Dr. Abraham? Are you saying that he believes that you were engaged in child molestation? Dr. Mann. Yep. Quote unquote. Yep. Dr. Mann testified under oath that Dr. Abraham believes he. Mann. Engaged in child molestation. Do you remember that from Dr. Abraham's eventual testimony? I think it would rather have electrified the court if he had so testified. It might even have made the rather sleepy local newspaper that showed up on the ninth day of trial here. But John Abraham, the only fact witness called by plaintiff's counsel, didn't say that, or anything like it. So yep, as Michael Mann testified, means no. In the real world, yep, means nope. Yep. <laughs> wow. It, the... the the gyrations that have been going on here in the mind of Dr. Mann are just unbelievable. You know, I, I'm, I'm, we all decry the fact that this even, you know, got through the courtroom door that, that, that you know, man lowered the debate, that it became lawfare. And I'm not sure I wish Curry had sued at the time and, and McIntyre and McKittrick, because there were two of them. That wrote their papers had sued at the time. Uh, you know, it, maybe if he faced multiple lawsuits all at the same time, he'd shut up. But maybe not. They'd have to fund their own lawsuits. Uh, there's not a defenders of real science of legitimate science law firm. Uh, uh, you know, pool of money, and and man, you know, he he could probably fend off any lawsuits brought because it's not his money. He's playing with other people's money. It's always easy to do that, right? Right. Right. Well, um, well, and also, you know, the reason probably why, you know, Judy and McIntyre and all of them, they probably didn't even think to 
pull a lawsuit for someone being, you know, cruel to them on the internet or whatever. There, I mean, and and Judith Curry, of course, has the biggest um, claim to that. You know, she testified she that could actually her, show monetary yeah, damages that she lost job opportunities and stuff over it because you know it buried her own faculty page on Google search and stuff um, when she was in the middle of interviewing. So. And she could say, I, I, and she could show where he actually slandered her when she was he was talking about Penn State. And he testified on the stand. Uh, yeah, no, I was just passing along a rumor, and I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, uh, but you know, it's you know too late for that. But the reason why they weren't doing that is because they were just good scientists who were keeping their heads down and doing good work and doing their jobs and stuff, and they weren't trying to get in the mud until it became overpowering and then you know they start writing about it a bit more but it's it's just grotesque i mean um lawfare is always ugly and obnoxious and right now it's becoming something that works very well for the environmentalist um you know progressive side of this debate um but you know as one of our commenters said uh chin up on it because this is not the end <laughs> Uh, this is definitely just the beginning and it's going to get, um, well, it's going to get tricky. We'll see. We'll see if this is the, um, kind of opening of the floodgates on other litigation from, um, climate alarmists, uh, towards climate skeptics and, and we'll have to see where it goes. I'm hoping that my worst fears about this are not <laughs> confirmed, which is that they're going to use this as precedent or attempt to use this as a lower court precedent for, um, you know, going after basically anyone who questions the science. Right. Um, but, but we'll have to see. Yeah. It would be unfortunate if this was used as a precedent for going after other people simply because they disagree. Um, but that seems to be, the MO for climate science in general, their whole viewpoint seems to have been, I mean, all the way from the IPCC down, seems to be like, we're saving the planet. We're morally in the right. And therefore, you shut up. That's really what it's been over the last 20 or 30 years, you know, with the labeling, the you know, climate denier labeling and all that sort of thing. Um it, they have this idea that they're saving the planet and therefore we are morally superior. Jim Lakely joined us, Vice President of Communications for the Heartland Institute. Thank you for joining us, Jim. A, a man who has no strong opinions on this court case. None. And he certainly would never have a rant uh, teared up for us. All right. Uh, be, be re Andy, be ready on that mute button. Rant engaged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, right? So, so hey, Jim, uh, we're doing Q&A a little different this time. I'm going to be reading the questions out to you guys. But uh, first, I feel like we should actually probably just go to you. Put, so. put them up on the screen, please, for my benefit as well. Well, I, I don't know what you guys have covered already. So, you know, and I was we're just saying, <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we, we've discussed how the trial should have been thrown out from the start, how it should now be overturned, notwithstanding the verdict of the jury that uh, the, the fines at the minimum should be diminished because of the lack of constitutionality and what an execrable human being Michael Mann had proved himself to be on the stand. If we didn't know it already, on the stand. 
This is why well, he kicks me off the show. You, you, <laughs> I come in, I go to gym. I don't know. You've already read through almost my entire checklist. Uh, <laughs> let me just say, you know, I, I did share these notes with you guys uh, in in our internal Heartland Slack this morning. But you know, I did. I have watched and listened to more of this trial than um, probably you guys. Um, although we all followed it pretty closely, but you know, it's it's obvious to anybody with a operating brain that watched this trial that the jury ignored all the evidence um, and the proper application of civil defamation law. Um, and I think we need to be very clear here and it's on the record and you can go back and watch it yourself. You can watch all of the other episodes we've done on this trial on this channel because we, we went through each week's uh, developments in pretty good detail. And then of course you could always go to the Climate Change on Trial podcast, which we featured on this show with the great uh, Ann McElhenney and fellow McAleer. Um, and they have a new episode out just today, <laughs> which I'm going to be listening to later on um, about the verdict. But Michael Mann, he had the burden of proof in this case, and he presented no evidence that he was financially or professionally or reputationally harmed by those two blog posts. Uh, he didn't produce weak evidence. He didn't produce, hmm, this might be kind of compelling evidence, maybe suggesting what he's trying to bring across. He produced zero evidence, none, nada, not a single bit of evidence that uh, he was um, defamed under civil defamation law. Um, you know, in fact, as the defense presented its case, um, they showed that actually Michael Mann's uh, financial, professional, and reputation, reputational life all went up after the publication of those blog posts. He's um, no longer at some, you know, crummy state university like Penn State. Nope, he is now um, at in the Ivy League, is at the University of Pennsylvania. So that went up. Um, his uh, salary has gone up. It even went up when he was still at Penn State. His book deals, he got more book deals and, and bigger advances after the blog post went up. So that didn't, that, that didn't harm him at all either. Again, it's Michael Mann's job to prove he was harmed. Not at all. In fact, the opposite is true. And of course, his reputation only increased. You know, he got to call, he says, I have a little bromance with Leo DiCaprio. Oh, isn't that nice? They even showed a picture of them in court. And, um, he, you know, Michael Mann being a, a little man, physically, mentally, and uh, psychologically, he's like, oh, uh, actually, I, I, that, it's just the angle of that picture. I'm actually a lot taller than that in real life. Or, or Leo <laughs> is actually really a lot taller than you think. Um, his ego was just off the charts, terrible. But again, his professional and, and even social reputation went up after those blog posts. So the exact opposite of what he was supposed to prove was actually shown in trial. So what we ended up with was basically kind of like the reverse jury nullification, right? No matter what evidence was presented, no matter the lack of evidence that was presented, this DC jury was going to rule against um, people who deny climate science, no matter what happened. I mean, it's so obvious. This is the most uh, open shut case of instant dismissal um, from the from you know in ruling in in favor of the defense that you could probably ever get in a civil defamation trial. And in fact, in the United States, uh, suing for defamation is notoriously difficult. In the United Kingdom, as as Mark Stein pointed out, um, in the arguments he was allowed to make in court, in the UK it's a lot easier to sue for defamation because they don't have something called the First Amendment. In the United States, especially if you are a public figure, it is almost impossible to get a legitimate, open-minded jury to rule in your favor in a defamation case because you're a public figure 
and you're open to criticism, even strong criticism, even uh, nasty criticism. You're open to that as a public figure. And the First Amendment protects that kind of speech. All of that was thrown out. All of it was thrown out in this case. This is why this is such a horrible day for justice and a horrible, really, a, a really black day in, in America. Because we now live in an America in which uh, your First Amendment rights are forfeit if you are on the right and you're criticizing somebody on the left, because that's what this was really all about. So now Mark Stein's First Amendment um, uh, rights are forfeit. And in fact, we will not back down, but a lot of critics of climate alarmism are going to be shutting their mouths because they are afraid of the same kind of treatment that Mark Stein and Rand Simberg got. And that's one of the real big tragedies and concrete results of this travesty of a trial. I would say yeah. to that, Jim, that we still have to stick to the evidence. If we argue the evidence, argue the facts, we'll never have to worry about getting in trouble. Yeah, stay away from personalities and things. Uh, I'd just like to say, Jim, we've said to our... I heard the judge several times say it wasn't about climate science. So I'm sure the jury took that seriously. Um, it was a joke. Of course, it was about climate science and 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 man's prickliness about whether he was, uh, you know, his science accurately represented ancient history or other people's did. But the uh, Jim, basically, to some extent, the jury actually agreed with you. They did find defamation, and they said it damaged his reputation so much they awarded a dollar. That's that's sure. what he lost, right? He they awarded a dollar from from uh, from Simberg, and I believe they awarded a dollar from Stein. Um, right. in actual damages. Then it was like, but we think they're nasty. They were mean to this guy. Uh, uh, you know, why pick on uh, somebody who is so obviously uh, prickly and uh, angry? They should he they shouldn't have done that. And so we're going to award him a lot and lot of money as punishment. And of course, you know, like you know, we we've already talked about it, but I'm hoping the judge ex expresses a little bit of rationality and adherence to the law and. Reduces the penalty if he doesn't just throw out the the finding. You you have faith in our federal courts in the in the in this in Washington D.C. Good God bless you, sir. No, God I didn't say I had faith. faith. I said hope. I'm hope. Hope. Okay. <laughs> you know, hope, um, hope springs eternal, Jim. Look, it, this this if you looked at the evidence presented in this trial, and if you were to look up Rand Simberg's blog post, and then look up Mark Stein's blog post, Rand Simberg um, did more damage. His his blog post was much harder on man than Stein's was. Yeah. Stein was just funnier about it. <laughs> and I think this is really important. I talk about prejudicial. Um, the, the the attorneys for the plaintiffs kept bringing up stuff that was irrelevant, but to trigger this obviously left wing jury, ninety two percent of residents of Washington D.C. voted for Joe Biden in the last election. He mentioned that he was uh, a frequent um, fill in host on Fox News that he was Rush Limbaugh's um, permanent fill-in host. Um, so those were signals to the jury that's obviously on the left to not trust or remotely like the very charming and uh, astute and articulate Mark Stein. So it didn't matter what he said. The jury was primed from the beginning and all throughout the trial for this, this ridiculous BS verdict. 
I think yeah. one of the things that chafes me the most about how this went and, and just the irony of Michael Mann coming after people for defamation is that even during this trial, some of this was brought up, it, whether or not it really helped the case or whether it had very much to do with the case at hand, I'm not sure. But uh, Michael Mann is infamous for going around emailing the editors of journals, emailing people at institutions like NASA and trying to get them to pull um, studies and trying to get them to, um, you know, what was it? The one that was recently that, that found that, um, you know, extreme weather isn't getting worse. And Michael Mann and a couple of other climate scientists went to the journal and said, you need to take this down. And they did it. <laughs> they, they withdrew the paper because they got bullied by Michael Mann in their email inbox. I mean, yep. uh, that's out, um, astonishing to me that someone like that would have that kind of power over these, um, you know, scientific institutions and that he is the one going around suing people for defamation and for, for damaging his reputation. It doesn't seem to me like he has very much of um, a, a damaged reputation to the powers that be in the scientific community. It seems like he's, you know, as we've discussed in a much better place, place than he had ever been before. Um, yeah, it, it bothers me very much that that's the case there. I, it's as the, right. uh, the title of Stein's book, I believe. And also the title of this episode is a disgrace to the profession. So I want to move on to some of the Q and a that we've got from some of our viewers. Um, and Andy's going to jump in here and start reading those and, but also please put them up on the screen for everyone's benefit. Andy, are you there? There I he am. is. I uh, Sorry, that took me a second. Yeah, no, let's do Q&A. So we have a lot here. And there's one from early in the episode that I uh, really wanted to highlight. Give me a second. So what does this mean for the First Amendment? Who wants to take that? Well, I, I mean, it's not going to do anything to the First Amendment worse than what just ignoring it does. <laughs> I mean, yeah. at this point, you know, we, we used to kind of poke fun at um, progressives for saying things like, you know, the Constitution is just a piece of paper or it's a living document or whatever. But they certainly treat it that way. Um, they, they have absolutely no care whatsoever for the intent and the meaning behind the um, Constitution and, and what it's supposed to protect us from. Um, so I... As I said earlier, I think that the precedent is a little bit spooky, but normally, I mean, there's so much more precedent that makes it clear that it's almost impossible to get this kind of result on a on a lawsuit like this um, in normal cases that I I have. Um, Jim, I don't have faith that this kind of a thing won't happen again in a D.C. court, uh, but I think that it is a extraordinary result. And I, I don't think it will be repeated often without um, some additional corruption outside of DC uh, to a much larger extent than we see even now. Um, so I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, losing sleep over it necessarily, but it is, um, it, it definitely makes the ground a little shakier. The problem is it sets a precedent. Yeah. Federal court has now said this stuff basically can stand, and 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 um, 
I think the First Amendment has been on the road to erosion for a while when you look at what's going on in college campuses. Um, uh, you know, interestingly, I believe the ACLU offered a, a friend of the court brief on behalf of Stein and Simberg. Uh, so they were still doing their job. Um, but uh, it's, 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 it's troubling and it doesn't have to gut first amendment protections. All it has to do is force people like ourselves that want to still debate the science to be more cautious and circumspect in what we say to the extent that we are ineffective in communicating what's wrong about uh, the so-called consensus. All right, let's move on to the next question. You're muted, Andy. Apologies. Uh, so David Spain asks, will man frame and hang his consentatory dollar award next to his no will prize on his wall at home? Probably. <laughs> Probably. I'd say that's right. a safe bet. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, all right, we'll keep going here. So um, we have from... Uh, Although it would be really nice if Mark Stein sent him a Canadian dollar instead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, D David, uh, you can leave you can leave your contact information in the comments. We'll forward that to Michael Mann so he can be in touch with you very soon. <laughs> so Chris Shattuck asks, except do you really think a jury of peers, especially in Washington, et cetera, are capable of making a rational decision? Well, obviously not. The evidence speaks for itself. Or the no, verdict I think it speaks for I, itself. I, I think it depends on the topic. Uh, I I think most juries in even in Washington, DC uh still convict murderers and, and things like that uh but you know jim pointed out something that i hadn't even thought about i, I did talk about um uh stein sort of whether he appealed to the jury pool uh like he appeals to us but jim pointed out you know look he said oh i, I you know i worked for rush limbaugh i did those it's like I think that's right. It, it biased them going in. It's like, hold it. We we hated Rush Limbaugh. We hate Fox News. We, we you know, MSNBC is the only true news source. So we we already suspected or were biased against him from from the beginning. From, I, I yes, really from, think he would have been served better to have an attorney represent him in this trial. Well, it, they still let that stuff in into the trial. I mean, to to a leftist. To somebody, you know, to the to the, you know, somebody who watches CNN and MSNBC, which is probably what these jurors do if they consume any news at all. Fox News are liars. Rush Limbaugh is a liar, and so that's their their mind. We don't believe that, obviously, but that's their mindset. So look, they they had to do, uh, just real quick. They they had to man had to prove that um, the publication by you know what they wrote was a um, false statement of fact. And what they wrote was that the Penn State investigation of Michael Mann's work was a whitewash. That's actually true. So that wasn't false at all. That that false statement, which was true, was defamatory. It's not defamatory to call that a whitewash, similar to the Sandusky whitewash. Uh, they had to prove actual damages, which we talked about just a few minutes ago, did not exist. So there were no damages. Uh, and that the defendant knew that the statement was false or recklessly discarded or dis disregarded its truth or falsity. So they're trying to get into the head. So in other words, the jury decided yesterday 
that um, Mark Stein and Rand Simberg knew what they were writing was false and they wrote it anyway. It is impossible for one human being to know that about another human being. It's impossible. You can't know this. That's what this is such a farce. And that's why, no, I don't have any confidence in our juries anymore. No, that, um, that, that, that's not make what sure you, Make sure you're never in front of a jury. That's all I got to say. You live, your right, they, live your life right. Don't ever let a jury of your peers decide your fate, your financial future, or anything else. The judge was very clear. They didn't have to find that they intentionally, that they knew it was false. All he had to find was that it was likely that they could have found out. That, 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 that had they examined the, the evidence, had they examined what was going on, they could have would have come to a different conclusion. Instead, they declared it false. He didn't say that they had to know it, that they should have known it. Reasonable, reasonable people should have known it. In addition, uh, and I'm going to dis disagree with you here, Jim, um, you keep calling the Penn State thing a whitewash. I believe it was a whitewash, but they didn't prove it was a whitewash. They had someone who testified. And he said explicitly, it wasn't a whitewash. Here's what we did. He went through the whole process. You may think that in the background there were machinations, but they didn't show machinations. The only instance of that we found that was shown was that when they wanted to censure man for one part of his role in this, the corrupt president stepped in. Now, we know what was going on. We can assume what was going on. But they didn't prove it was a whitewash. I believe it was a whitewash, but they didn't prove that. Yeah, uh, let's keep going. So from Fillerator, yes, we have. Do you think the fact that Stein is Canadian might have made a difference? And thanks for the super chat, Fillerator. I don't know. I, I don't really see. I mean, Stein has a great command of the English language. He doesn't have, you know, a discernible accent. He's... He uses American colloquialisms. I don't think that had an effect. I agree with, with Anthony. I don't think they had some kind yeah. of prejudice against Canadians. Right. Racist against Canadian, Jerry. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> so Engineer Guy SE says, not even Fox and Newsmax are reporting on this trial. Or did he miss it? Uh, have you guys seen any reporting in the mainstream media no, about this trial? There's basically none anywhere. Well, in the except mainstream. for those random Washington Post came out and published something, and I think the AP did too, which is interesting yes. because the Washington Post and the AP both have what I would consider a very strong conflict of interest in this case because they both get very large sums of money for climate reporting. Um, yeah, but other than do. that, I didn't see very much. The New York Times also reported on it, I believe. Okay. So three, three major, you know, to be fair, those are pretty significant outlets. So three major. I, main I, I think the reason that a lot of television coverage didn't happen is the same reason we can't run clips from the trial. So much of it was restricted from being able to, you know, rebroadcast yeah. uh, that it just made it kind of difficult for TV to cover it. Next question. You know, this is a comment, not a question, but uh, Reese Reed said he saw it in his MSN feed that man won a million. I see it's he says one dollar, one million in a climate defamation suit. You know, I'm wondering because you guys said he got a dollar in compensatory damages, but MSN's reporting a million. Any well, it's a million, this? it's a million not in compensatory, but in punitive damages. He did punitive. win a million. That's okay, that's what they found is. Simberg was he, he they found one dollar in actual damages for Simberg and they they issued compensatory. I mean, not compensatory, but uh, uh, punitive damages of a thousand dollars. And on Stein, I believe they also 
found $1 in actual damages, but then they awarded a million dollars, a million times uh, the amount of actual damages and punitive damages. That's one of the reasons it's, you know, it's very likely this, at least the damages will be overturned. I'd like the whole ruling to be overturned. All right. So we'll go last question here. What is progressive about destroying humanity by outlawing reliable energy? We ask ourselves that question every day when we write commentary and facts and so forth and so on. There is nothing progressive about it. It's regressive. And in many ways, we're well, going I back. I, I think that I think that side of the debate gets to claim the word progressive merely because they've been using it for over two or over 100 years by now. So no, what, pro what progressive means is government knows best and we yeah. rule from the top. And so that's what's progressive about it's just it the euphemism. The elites <laughs> think there are too many people and we want to restrict them. That's what progress is. All righty. Do we have any other questions we want to cover? I guess not. I hear the music. The music's coming up, which means that we've reached the end of episode 97 of uh, Climate Change Roundtable, Man versus Stein, a disgrace to the profession. I want to thank all of you guys for joining us here. Uh, Jim Lakely, Sterling Burnett, Linnea Lucan, and Andy, our producer, thank you for all of your hard work in getting this show together. Remember to subscribe to our channel and also remember to visit climaterealism.com, climateataglance.com, and energyataglance.com. And one final thing I want to say, if you want to support Mark Stein, go buy his book on Amazon, A Disgrace to the Profession, which is on amazon.com. Just look up a disgrace to the profession, uh, to the profession on amazon.com. There it is. It's got the hockey stick. This is probably the best book ever written about Dr. Michael Mann and his claims, but it's in the words of other scientists and it's fantastic. Go get it. Anyway, that's it for us here today. Thanks for joining us. I hope you all have a great Friday and a fantastic weekend. Bye-bye. He's a lion dog-faced pony soldier.